Dig. And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Hello and welcome to HR After Hours podcast, the only HR podcast that still visit its pediatrician as its primary physician. I mean, come on, <laughs> he knows my uh, medical history and gives out great lollipops. Hannah Hampton, yep. my sister from another Mr. <laughs> H squared. Oh, oh we've no. got the giggle bots today. How the <laughs> hell are you? This is how it's going to be today, huh? We're going to be laughing the whole time. I'm well. I am swell. How are you? <laughs> Farmer McDanzig, I'm outstanding in my field. Thanks for asking. Always. Always. And let's jump right in. We're going to keep uh, okay. today's episode relatively short and sweet. It's that holiday season. People have shopping to do. My dog needs yep. to visit Santa. We were kicking around what our theme was today. This is off of, it's called Shepherd Express. Week of the 15th something. Yep. News of the weird week of December 15th. And it says an Olive Garden restaurant manager in Overland Park, Kansas, Mm -hmm. is out of a job Mm -hmm. after they sent a ranting message to team members about excessive time off. KCTV5 reported, we are no longer tolerating any excuse for calling off dot 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 if your dog died you need to bring him in and prove it to us if you only want morning shifts too bad go work at a bank dot 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 do you think i want to be here until midnight and friday and saturdays no i'd much rather be at home with my husband and my dog the message said (laughs) needless to say I, i heard about this yep an Olive Garden representative said the message was, quote, unquote, not aligned with our company's values. We can confirm we have parted ways with this manager. So, I mean, it's funny and it's not. I mean, really, obviously, this person had a breaking point. They hit it, uh, exceeded it, and then left it in the dust to finally break down and do this rant. So obviously they weren't in the best of places. I may, I, we laugh, we jest, but then we feel for them a little bit. But at the end of the day, this is uh, just another example of bad management, bad leadership, the lack of support, yeah. not thinking before. Well, no wonder, I act. mean, well, here's the thing. I feel like, of course, like the person lost their job, Yes, and the person kind of clearly had, it got to their wit's end. Clearly, they were not, before this, they weren't creating a great work environment or else people wouldn't be calling out and doing all the things that frustrated this person. Like, you and I have both worked in HR in the restaurant world and understand there are stores where people show up, they don't off, and it's a respectful, great work environment. And then there's the stores that have consistent trouble and a lot of time it starts at the top with poor leadership and allowing bad behaviors and so it's like yes I feel bad that this person snapped but I also feel like well what led up to it and I'm sure that was not the first time that this manager acted like a total prick so I believe in trying to create a a learning experience from all of these types of mishaps. But here's where, I mean, here's really what it comes down to. We don't know what happened that led up. We don't know what happened, what the lead up was. But if we're going to create anything out of this, right? So we didn't just bring it up to laugh at someone else's misfortune. So what we're going to add is the fact that, you know, seriously, what can you learn from this? Well, the one thing that if no one has ever told any of our listeners throughout their career is 
my goodness, not only do you count to a thousand, but then you bounce what you want to put in an email off of people before you dare put something in print. They have not been mentored throughout their career or given good advice because no one with an ounce of, of business courtesy and acumen and development would ever put in writing if your dog died, you need to bring him in oh, and prove awful. it to us. I mean, to me, all it's I can like think Ferris of Bueller, Ferris Bueller. Right? Yes, like- thank you. <laughs> all I can think of is this. This, this is Rooney, yes. Principal Rooney. No uh, So, no, but I- honestly, no. Here's the way. If I can say something really fast, it's just what I used to train my managers on, and I'm like, okay, when you're re- when you're getting back to somebody or a situation. Are you responding to the scenario or are you reacting? Because if you're reacting, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be bad. I'm like, you need to take a step back and make sure you're responding and not just reacting. And I feel like those are two very different things. And obviously, this person just had an emotional an emotional reaction and re- reacted like negatively and then telling people bring your your dog's dead body to a fucking restaurant like and how horrifying is that could you imagine going to the olive garden and you see somebody bringing a dead dog into the back of there like what the actual fuck <laughs> and this is in kansas you and i've worked in the midwest there is someone yeah. out there in a remote location that would do that well here's my Here's my dog. Come on, you dick. But I mean, you actually hit on the the primary what I'm going to extend to that took me way longer than it should have to learn in my professional career. Not only is it about react versus response 101 and what took me way too long to figure out is you got to take the emotion out of work. And so if something has honestly hit a hot button that you have an emotional response you've got to step away for a long time. And that's when you have to pull someone in that you can confide in, whether it's a mentor or a peer and say, all right, this is what I'm looking at. This has become an issue. I want to address it. Will you help me compose an effective email Mm -hmm. or whether it comes up when you check in or whatever it is, this is not something that should at the very least, is not a same-day reaction, right? Well, and the other thing, like, I feel like if, if I were to give advice to this manager, I'd be like, okay, let's sit down with your team. Let's talk about these call-offs. Like, why are they calling out? Is it truly, like, are people just sick? Okay, maybe, maybe not. But find out, is it a scheduling issue? Is somebody, like, like are you scheduling somebody to time that just doesn't work? Maybe they got to pick up their kids, have conversations, or maybe there's some personality concerns. Maybe somebody is feeling disrespected. I feel like that there has got to be a root cause to all this behavior. Maybe it it is just a lack of leadership in the store. Rather than sending an email saying like, fuck you and fuck your family, why not like get to the root of it and be like, okay, like, is there, are we having some scheduling problems? Would you be better in an afternoon shift? Or can we talk about like maybe three days you're in the morning and two days you're in the evening and finding somebody else who, who can work that way? Like, I feel like there's, and I know that it's easier said than done, but I feel like there's a way better way to respond to this than just firing off an email that was just a big fuck you. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton ton of things that, that can be done. As a manager, you get your management team together first, 
you know, and you say, let's go over our current scheduling process and let's go over our team and their availabilities. And there's a very analytical yeah. way to look at it. And, and then I, you did- would, I would bet you a million dollars that this per this manager probably didn't wasn't having one on ones with people and was just like letting them do whatever and just not having communication. I bet you that this person was not having one on ones with their team because I feel like a lot of times issues get brought up in these discussions. I bet they hadn't hadn't had one in a very long time. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to look at what is within our control. What can we address right now? What mm-hmm. can we do to to resolve this? You know, have we talked to our, like you said, we talked to our people. So we've got these people that have worked here three, four years, and all of a sudden they're calling off. Well, let's see if something's changed in their lives before we just assume all of a sudden they've become a bad employee. You know, let's work at this collectively as a team. So there's even more than we planned on putting into this. I think it's an okay segue into our next article, yeah. which is pretty interesting. So Hannah, lead us into our next article. Okay, so we found an article. It was posted on LinkedIn, but it's from the HBR, the Harvard Business Review. And it's, our, are you being quiet fired? We all have heard out in the world about the whole quiet quitting, which, not, I mean, let's get real. None of this is new. I remember in my very first job out of university, before I was even in HR, uh, I worked with somebody, it was a sales job, and this person kept, sh- they, basically, they didn't want to work there. They'd show up to work, they wouldn't do anything, and we're just waiting to get fired. <laughs> and uh, they quit, but they kept showing up, is, was the joke that we made. But I don't know if it's it's just this generation, but they love people love to put terms or co- come up with, with funny ways to describe something. Are you being quiet fired? So basically... Either is the company trying to put you out or are they preparing to let you go? And of course, um, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of people had whispered Elon Musk was doing that with Twitter, with Twitter and with his uh, Tesla in that he was requiring people to come back to the office. And rather than having to lay people off and deal with uh, the the cost involved of um, to give people severances, he was hoping that people would leave. Again, it's all rumors. But this is very similar to that, where it's like, okay, they're changing the way that you work. They're changing the way they talk to you and trying to get people to leave jobs actively versus having to lay them off. And we're recording this at the very end of 2022. So it's a weird, it's a weird market. Uh, Tech seems to be leading the, the pack right now when it comes to layoffs. So it's a strange job market. And I wouldn't put it past companies trying to get creative in ways to adjust their headcount. So are you, you being quiet fired? Have you, Mick, have you ever experienced anything like this? Are you familiar with this? What, what What's your two cents on this so far? I have seen companies that went through different stages, like where mm-hmm. they were doing well and they realized they had overpromoted people and things like that mm-hmm. to get to where they were. And so they started the opposite. They were just handing out big ass severance. These were the people that were in here at the early stages. They served their purpose. They made it to their talent level. We need to bring in stronger talent. Here's a nice mm-hmm. severance package. I've seen that to a ridiculous amount before where you're like, how much money does this company have? You know, I've almost like tripped over the front entrance before thinking, "Eh, what was that worth a hundred thousand and a year off? I don't know. So, I mean, I've seen it to where they just 
handed out huge severance packages. And then as the company changed and grew, starting to do a little bit of the quiet firing. I've never been involved from an HR perspective in it. I've never had a conversation Mm -hmm. where I've been asked to guide or be involved in any sort of this behavior, this strategy. Yeah, same, same. I am not personally experienced in any of this, but I've just been reading about it. And you hear stories and you wonder, you know, yeah, they might be onto something. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely have seen companies that with as one individual that they're like, you know, this guy's been, or girl or whoever it is has been here a long time. We're all just waiting for them to quit. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. a good day when they quit. And then you kind of may, maybe there's some things where you're not as well, responsive. Are they, are they like just that. waiting or are they, are they creating, you know, this is what this whole story is about creating a kind of a hostile work environment. I haven't seen the hostile work environment other than the, you know, let's let's not bend over backwards to support this person that's on their way out. Again, I'm I'm trying to be very careful. I don't ever want to be called in to give a deposition on anything. But I've been a third party aware situations where it was time for so-and-so to go. We believe they're going to retire in the next six to 12 months. We're going to let them live it out that long. And then if they don't retire like they've been alluding to or even told us, then we may have to look at a different strategy. I don't know necessarily if that was tied into, hey, we just want everyone to leave happy here, or if it was, well, if we let them go at this point, maybe we're going to get sued for mm-hmm. wrongful termination, ageism, or just general, you know, hardcore unpublic, you know, and or unemployment. Well, definitely quiet not quit or quiet firing. I would say quite firing, you do run the risk of of a lawsuit because when you when you terminate someone and give them a severance, a lot of times, you know, it's it's a it's a separation agreement that says in order to collect the severance, you're not gonna sue us. Certainly there is a risk involved, and that's why having some sort of a separation and and severance is a little bit safer. A lot of times it's all about mitigating risk. And if, if these companies that are doing this quiet firing or as they're uh, you know, reduction strategy, so to say, um, you know, I, I guess that's a risk that they're, they're willing to take, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's just an interesting time to watch and just to see like Twitter, what's happening with Twitter. Follow this uh, page. It's just layoffs.fyi. And basically it just collects the daily count of tech industry, like tech and startup layoffs. So you can see which companies are laying off. And the cool thing for recruiters is a lot of times they give you lists of people who are available for work. So it is kind of a not just a, hey, nice. let's let's revel in this like terribleness, but it's like, hey, here's a resource to help people uh, find new jobs because it, it sucks getting laid off. Like it's, it's very, it hurts your morale. It's just psychologically, it sucks. Obviously not every, you know, not everybody is in a financially secure situation where uh, they can web it you know I see it on LinkedIn all the time like I'm, I'm like I have to find a job because you know I'm this close to living out of my car type of a situation or losing my lease that situation so I feel like that's the one thing you know the uh, silver linings and in, 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 in all of this is like 
with LinkedIn, with the internet, it's like I, people support each other to help them find new jobs in these situations. So it's a, it's just a, an interesting time, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, the reason it's an article is because things have really changed and shifted Do more and more. I mean, I, you know, hell, 10 years ago, I thought the amount of shift created by fear of litigation was insane. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, it was a drop in the bucket compared to today. It's hard yeah. to get real references anymore because people are oh, afraid that they'll be held accountable if the person doesn't work out or it'll be a blemish on them. And so, you know, it's really difficult to do the right thing, I think, sometimes. I love that website you're talking about. And I remember 20 years ago, when I was mm-hmm. probably doing a lot of my work through networking and it was really involved in a lot of groups that weren't online, where you actually went somewhere and met once a quarter, every couple of months, sometimes once a month, and networked and, and talked to other people in your field. You know, I got to know a lot of other recruiters. We would actually, like if we knew of someone like an office closing or something, that we could not do anything with the people, we would like talk to other recruiters about them. Hey, I've got this great guy. I know you have this business in Tulsa. I have nothing to do for this person and they're not relocatable. I hate to lose them. No remote options possible. I would love to have you talk to them. Can I tell them about your company and that you're going to reach out or, you know, let me ask them if it's okay if I give you their information. If I can, would you be interested? And so sites that do that are great because that's one of the things I think ultimately is one of our indirect goals is to bring back more of an ability to do the right thing in business, help each other out, Mm -hmm. lift each other up promote each other, do things to, to help each other in business. And one of them is, you know, if we have someone that's good that we can't do anything, let's get them to someone who can, you know, because honestly, it's like you talk about this when you actually do a severance, it, you, you're making this agreement with this person. Ultimately, yeah, you're, you know, you have to do the the legal piece and it's, you don't want them to come back and sue you and you, but really isn't it right. about just parting ways with someone that had a mutual beneficial relationship that at this point is no longer mutually beneficial, but let's celebrate our successes. And here's our token of appreciation. Will you look for your next endeavor and we'll do what we can do to help. And you can't even say we'll always get, we'll give you a great reference anymore without consulting your legal team. Yeah. And I mean, I, here's the, here's the way I look at it too. Like, and I don't understand why companies or people in general, but why you would want to burn any bridges. Some of these behaviors that we're seeing cre- creates a bad taste in people's mouths. Like I feel like, and I keep using Twitter as an example because it's low hanging fruit. It's really easy to use as an example, but you know, Elon went in there and cut like, I don't remember how many jobs, like half of the jobs or something. And basically people had been locked out of the system and that's sometimes how they learned about it. And slowly, but surely ruining his reputation and of course he might not you know i don't think he always had the most shining reputation two years ago three years ago uh, i think people would have been like oh working at spacex working at tesla so cool those are really like bleeding edge technology working for elon would be amazing and now i feel like oof i i I know i would want to (laughs) 
You know, Elon Musk is a great example of why you should separate yourself from all of your businesses from a branding standpoint if you're going to do more yep. than one business. Because when people just knew Elon as Tesla, he still got away with being Elon, even when Tesla had massive missteps, like the, the, the truck when the windshield busted on the unveiling, the continuous pushbacks on when cars that were ordered were delivered. People were still excited about Tesla and willing to wait. He had built a brand. And mm -hmm. he was just the guy that owned Tesla. It wasn't Elon Musk and one of his many offshoots, one being Tesla. He was just the owner of Tesla, uh, unless you were a true industry insider or someone that was really following everything else he was doing. But it still wasn't his personality wasn't impacting the brand negatively. Somehow he even helped it. The, this quirky mm -hmm. CEO, and he was kind of the anti-Bezos when Bezos's reputation kind of took a turn. It, but he was able to do things. And, and a perfect example, something similar to what he's doing now with Twitter, I remember about six years ago, I knew someone that worked at one of the Tesla plants. This was before the story broke of him doing this another time about a year or so later. But he did one of his late night emails about the hour increases. And really, you, you can be a great inventor and a great mind and not understand people, right? So mm -hmm. he had an, what he considered a business epiphany of what they needed to get to the next step. And this was for one particular plant. This isn't the other story that went national. And he basically said, this is what it's going to take for us to produce what we need to produce to hit our goals. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. there are going to be... 13-hour days, 14-hour days, we're not making billions of dollars. We're not going to work 14-hour right. days. And so, you know, they lost people, but then they 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 got everyone to forget about it. And, and this is at the employee level. And they got people back and kind of, kind of calmed it down. And then it was a year or two later was when he sent off that Tesla email again, but it was company-wide and it hit everyone but that's still pe people excused him for that but then as he became more of elon the celebrity then it became he became too much of the face of the brand and yeah the guys had highs and highs and lows he did i thought it was okay. funny on saturday night live they weren't booing yeah. him then he was just booed at the Chappelle show so that's how much it's too much well, exposure. Yeah. Yeah. it's just too much exposure and, you know. You and I have quietly talked or had little blurbs where I've, you know, we've talked about the gaming industry has always had this type, has had this type of culture for 10 years to where you do when you're on a major campaign work two weeks straight in the office, not showering for two days. I mean, these guys go crazy when they're launching multi-billion dollar games and it's been the exception to the rule. And then you got people like Elon coming in and saying, well, it doesn't always have to be the exception, which goes against everything you and I have been talking about. What needs to happen is the opposite. The four, you know, the four day work week, the 30 hours, 35 hours, whatever. It's it makes me nervous. It's more than just this. It makes me nervous about are people going to forget the lessons we learned during the pandemic and mm -hmm. expect these crazy ass work schedules that Elon had no problem saying this is what it takes for Twitter. They built bedrooms in the San Francisco office. The city of San Francisco is going against him for doing that. But it wasn't. Yeah, he's kind of being a dick about it, too. He's like, oh, you know, talking about like crime and whatever. And, and he's like, but this is what's important. It's like, well, kind of, because. I feel like that is 
pretty much mistreating your staff if you're setting those expectations of not leaving. Like, mm, I don't, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And I feel like people, people don't want that. And and if you treat your people like shit, they're gonna, they're not gonna forget that. They're gonna remember that. And I feel like all those who don't want to experience this type of abuse, they are looking for other jobs, and they're gonna be able to find other jobs. It's and and again, I know that the tech market right now is a little wacky. But the job market in general is not as dire as maybe, uh, you know, in in every industry. So people are going to find new jobs and they're going to be much happier when they're not being abused by their management. Absolutely. So I went off on this long rant and hopefully I'll edit some of that out. But the whole thing is, if you haven't already started doing this, you're really fucking late to the table. But what we should be doing is treating the people we want to hire, those candidates, those prospective team members, we want them to want to come work for us. Twitter was a destination job location until recently. So people hear these things and we are seeing candidates that are being as selective looking for where they want to spend their work time because it's where you spend the majority of your day. You know, I think it, it's it's not like it's a new thing, but I think more and more people have decided that they don't want to compromise when it comes to their lives. And that's the right thing. Like, I'm sorry, we were not born to work in corporate America. Like, that's not why all of us are on this planet. Of course, you know, we have to work to be able to pay bills and to survive. But ultimately, I really think that people's livelihoods uh, most for the rule should not be tied to their work. Now, of course, there, I feel like there's exceptions and, uh, you know, there's people who just live for their, their work and what they do. I read about a flight attendant who was in her 80s who has no, maybe she was even, I think she was in her late 80s and she had no plans to retire because she's like, I love what I do. This is my purpose. But ultimately, I mean, let's get real. Not, not all jobs are a pleasure. So certainly that shouldn't be people's entire lives. I thought we've moved on from like treating people like shit. Well, no, we need to keep moving. And it's worse than that. If we don't keep pushing things forward, I think this is uh, an indicator that things could backslide. It is really important that, you know, this is where you can separate your company from other companies is we've heard this terminology for years to be an employer of choice. But very few companies, I think, have ever really been willing to make the tough decisions to make that happen, to actually say, you know what, maybe instead of making 40 million this year, let's make 39 and keep all our people and keep people happy and we'll grow that mm-hmm. way. Maybe it'll be at a slower pace than our investors want to see, but what if it could turn into a long-term investment versus a short-term investment? And that's how we should be looking at everything we do in business as is in long-term investments. This person got me here today Instead of kind of shutting the door on them because they're not progressing at the pace as we are, first off, we got to look at ourselves and say, did we do anything to help them get to where we want to go? Or did we hire them solely to get us to a certain point and then we're willing to find someone to move us forward? So you've mm-hmm. got to really create this this mutually beneficial professional relationship. A lot of companies don't realize it takes a, uh, the average person a full year to get completely acclimated to a new role. So even the companies that are smart enough to realize that and really work hard on that first year of getting the person comfortable and acclimated, then they kind of get like, well, they're up to speed. They're good. And the second you just 
count on your team to perform for you and you're not investing time and energy back into them for their development and growth, that's where a lot of this could not happen. That could stop a lot of this. This Oh, this person got us to a point. Put them out to pasture. Let's use as many old timey sayings in this podcast as possible. But, <laughs> but let's why not teach them to make them to where they can do other things for the company? It's just we need to really not only coach to the individual, we need to sometimes put our people plan together, utilizing some of the individuals, not just the position they're in at this time. Mm-hmm. Is that a little too wacky and progressive? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> kind of doesn't match some of the business models out there. It's like, you know, this person got us this far next. Well, it's it's not, yeah, like, let's I work mean, together. A lot of companies don't really know what the hell teamwork is. That's yeah. capitalism. They 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 make decisions for the shareholders and not for the employees, and that's the sad but true reality. They 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 work to keep their shareholders happy, and 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 I feel like that's a short term plan, and and that's what's ca- I feel like caused a lot of problems in the working world. It's it's really interesting. You think about, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you would graduate from college or high school or whatever, you'd take a job and you'd work until retirement. And you'd get your gold watch, have your pension, and that gone are those days. It's not about being, you know, it's not about keeping the employee until retirement. Now it's all about how much money can we make, and it's sad. And I, I know that there's down, you know, there's there's pitfalls or or whatever to to both ways, but it just sucks that the employee is the one who who t- typically, and uh, in, in the current model is the one who is paying the price, feeling the pain, and not being treated well, and, and it's just sad. <sighs> Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those things where sometimes you really start thinking deeply about it. And it is, is sad and a little disappointing. And I'm sure, and I'm, I'm writing notes while I'm talking to you and trying not to let my clicky pin hit the mic. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of and I wrote down, and to me, this is new. I'm sure someone else has come up with this. So I don't think I'm that intelligent or special to come up with, to be the first person to think of this. Thinking of as I was listening to you, and we were talking about the trends in business and people practices. Maybe what uh, an entire way to start looking at people planning and development in even your hiring, I- instead of looking at what's you know being id driven and getting getting that immediate gratification. We have pushed this huge focus in as consumers into sustainable products. Maybe we should start looking at our people that way. You know, as we hire them, as we develop them, as we find new roles for them, the sustainability of the team member versus just the product we're making and how it can be mutually beneficial. I feel like I should be hitting a bong off a black light with that because I felt like that was kind of a wow moment. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe a lot of these things can be avoided if, again, we shift our our practices and our processes to be a little more people centric, because I do think that there's a way to find long-term places for people as maybe you want to change the role that person's in. Maybe you can find another role instead of just uh, cutting them out like groups of girls would do in the 90s to their friend who has bangs. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've said it all at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think we've said enough. I think we've said more than enough. At the end of the day, I think we somehow still managed to uh, bringing it back to what has been our running motto from day one. And what is that, Hannah? Keep the human and human resources. That's right. Or at least put back the human and human resources. 
Hannah yeah. Hampton. Think, of, think about the human and human resources. Anything to do <laughs> with humanizing human resources. Hannah Hampton, always a pleasure.